Okay, right, Hemel, thank you very much for doing this. Joined by Hemel Randawala, who um, has agreed to be part of this uh, new series of sort of 15-minute TED-like interviews uh, uh, called The Elevator. People who elevate others and also send the elevator back down to help others uh, achieve. So, Hemel, do you want to say a little bit about yourself? Because it hasn't been an easy ride for you. And equally, you're not the first person one would think of when they think about the kind of charitable things you're doing, what you've been doing during COVID, given that, you know, your background is trader. Why are you just not sitting on a beach making shed loads of money? What, what's all this helping other people nonsense about? Well, thank you for having me, Alpesh. Uh, you, you know, really appreciate you doing this. Uh, initiative, you know, to to reach out to people and maybe give them a bit of inspiration or motivation, or you know, give them a bit of uh, um, motivate a bit of heart to be involved in community work as well as do something with their lives and inspire others. So I think it's a really good idea. Uh, from my perspective, look, uh, I think as with most of us, we have uh, a lot of motivation to improve our own lives. <clears throat> but probably uh, the fulfillment that you get from that doesn't give you the same feeling of satisfaction as you would get from helping others or from uh, being together. There's only so much you can eat yourself. There's only so much space you can live in without feeling lonely. There's only so much swimming pool you can swim in before, you know, you, you don't see people around you. So I actually think that, you know, money is only as good uh, as you can use it to help others and to be around other people. So I, I feel that that experience that, you know, people who own ginormous houses and, you know, lock themselves away, I almost feel it's one type of prison that they build for themselves uh, unknowingly. Uh, and then, you know, it actually can cause a lot of mental problem and difficulty that they, they're actually isolating themselves away from people uh, and then losing their social connections. Whereas I think so, you know, for me, it was all about, uh, the world of finance or the world of trading or, you know, sitting on a desk, uh, I felt uh, a lack of fulfillment from that, uh, from those activities personally. And I felt, I mean, some people might feel deeply inspired by the work they do. I'm sure some of them love to sit on a desk and do nothing else uh, but trade for 14 hours a day, drink Coca-Cola and stare at a screen. Nothing else would come to their mind. Maybe that's their dharma, so to speak. You know, that's what they've been uh, brought to the world to generate profits and you, you know to uh, utilize that in you, you know the way that they're supposed to but for me i felt the activity of buying one selling two selling twos buying ones directly unfulfilling um i felt that i had to do something to directly make a difference so um i was sitting on a trading desk and i was sitting next to two two colleagues and i said to the guy on my right tom griffiths my friend I said, look, this is really uh, uninspiring. I, I think, you know, looking at the situation of farming in the UK and the amount of uh, suffering that's um, happening, we should do something to try and make a difference in that space. And and that's how Godarmic was kind of started. So well, I think I'm going to come to Godarmic in a second. I, did, did Tom not just turn around and slap you and say, listen, mate, you're here to make money, get trading, be evil genius? Well, we did have quite a few uh, uh, quite a few uh, uh, debates and arguments over the over those days. Yeah, I can remember us just sitting down and talking about you know whether we should be involved, whether we you know why should we do this kind of activity? Why don't we just focus on ourselves? Why don't we just do you, you know you know what we're currently doing? Or do it later. Many people make excuses. 
were you able to make the jump to go Dharmic, which like I said, it will come to in a second because you had loads of money. I and mean, there's a lot of people saying, well, look, my job's unfulfilling, but how do I make that leap? How do I move across? Uh, no, I, I think um, at that stage, you know, I wasn't that successful uh, in what I was doing. You know, I was still a struggling, you know, person trying to, to make it. So uh, I, I don't think it's something that you have to wait to do later. If anything that COVID's taught us is that now is the only time we have, right? Like it's, it's this moment and that is who you are. If you're that person now, then you'll probably be that person later if you don't change it. So, you know, as with fitness or with anything, if it's social awareness and consciousness i think that we have to live in the present and uh, yeah. we're only lying to ourselves if we think that you know that, that we're going to do something else later it's generating it now now i want to touch upon this whole theme of this the, the, the whole program the elevation part um you went to london met university which is not the conventional route to getting into the city so how did you break into the city now you're too modest to say, but you did get a first class degree in mathematics, which obviously would have helped to get into the city. But still, you know, it wasn't the Oxbridge route to those people who want to break into the city, albeit part of what you're saying is, listen, guys, it's not all that it's cracked up to be. Let's find balance and fulfillment. But if they're looking you know, the, the bottom rung of the ladder, they're, they're sort of on the ground floor. Let's put it that way, if not the basement. What do you say to them to try and break into those careers, which conventionally they've not been able to access? Well, I, I really appreciate you asking that. And it actually wasn't something that I was thinking that we'd be discussing on today's call. Uh, but look, I come from Luton. Uh, I came from a school called South Luton High School, which is no longer uh, alive. It, they had to close it for many awful reasons. Um, but, you know, that was the bottom of the ladder. You know, if you look around the country, South Luton High School's previous record and then, uh, you, you know, the Sixth Form College in Luton, we're talking about people whose career options are limited by by the the socioeconomic area and you know the the view society has of these communities, whether they're uh, black ethnic minorities, uh, poorer communities. Uh, Luton's a great place for many reasons. Uh, I love Luton, uh, but also the opportunities that kids coming from Luton are going to be different from those coming from Oxford or from um, you, you know. So as we went to college. Uh, those were the kind of options that were shown to us. So we were almost shown, shown into a different room, if you, if you like it. And that continues as you go down your career path. So when I went into the careers, um, what's it called? Like a careers uh, uh, guidance or, you, you know, like where, where the companies come to pitch yeah. at the student and tell careers you. Careers fair, I think. Careers fair, yeah. Like yeah. a big careers fair at the London Met University. And... Um, uh, I had a good time at London Met, you know, it, it wasn't a bad place, but uh, I felt that, you know, uh, when I walked into the careers fair, there was the army, there was Ladbrokes, there was, uh, um, I, I, I don't know, these kind of companies that there's nothing wrong with joining the army if someone has that as, a, as an option, but I wanted to make money. I, I wanted to become a trader. So in my mind, I, I just did a, a you know, uh, a thesis on options pricing uh, for my uh, dissertation. Uh, and I wanted to get into options trading and trade derivatives. There was nothing there. You, you know, there was no Goldman Sachs there knocking on the doors of London Met students trying to kind of wane them in or, you, you know, get uh, those options. So that, that career options for those people in that room is not something that's going to be visibly available to them. They have to create it themselves. So what I got into was proprietary trading, where I just knocked on the doors of companies of 
uh, people who were backing themselves or were backing small groups of youngsters and said that, look, uh, I'm willing to put some money down and trade myself. Can, can you support me or back me? Fortunately, I joined a, a company called Saxon Financials that backed me and supported me and you know, gave me that exposure to traders who knew what they were doing. So I spent a lot, a lot of time with a, a team uh, um, who were trading oil and that's how I gained my experience and, you know, got a, a foot in the door, so to speak. But that would not be there for 99% of the students coming through the London Met route. It's just simply not available. They have to create it themselves. So from the earliest time, it's not, you know, a ladder that you're climbing. You just have to basically... Uh, you're, knock, you're knocking on doors. You're, you're, you're sort of trying to get in touch with the people. Do you think it's got easier for people to knock on those doors? Is it easier to access people? I mean, we've got things like LinkedIn now and stuff, but equally there's HR departments who want to go through a, a, a process. Do you think they're opening up more to taking people from, let's say, unconventional backgrounds? And even then, yours is relatively conventional. You know, people who've not had the opportunity maybe even to go to university, but say, look, I've got talent, give me a chance. Has it got easier, do you think? Um, I think... So. I think I think definitely so. It has because you know, look, uh, previously when we were probably doing applications, just based on the eight universities that were at the top at the time, you would get filtered out of the application process. So you know, if you didn't go to one of the red brick unis, then you're pretty much out of the application process. That that was something that was in existence back ten, fifteen years ago. Uh, I don't think that's the case uh, today. I think people are are a bit more. Uh, liberal, but I think also the competition has increased now. So there's more kids out there that need that work. Uh, you're competing against older people, and you're competing now against people from all around the world uh, with remote work coming in, and you know people that can do the job for ten times cheaper than you uh, in India or in uh, China or anywhere else. You know you've got a competition to face uh, that's global now. So you, you know previously, if you wanted to get into creative design, uh, yes, you might go and sit in an office with someone, but now somebody based out in Serbia can easily deliver that um, service, uh, if not better. So Mm. I I think that things are definitely harder for kids now than uh, for for perhaps when we were growing up. Uh, I definitely think that, you know, the opportunities, but the scalability is there for the people who want to put in the work now can achieve more quicker and faster. You've got all the tools that we didn't have. So uh, I, I guess, yeah. I mean, do you agree with me? If you're, you're sitting there, you're at a, at a school, which, hasn't gone um, down this route. I mean, I personally feel when people ask me, they say, oh, I want to be in finance and all the rest. Of that, I say, look, look at fintech. And I know you've got lots of connections with technology as well. Would you say to them, rather than conventional um, uh, 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 jobs, which, you know, 10 years ago, you might have said hedge funds or private equity, all the rest of it, and people think, oh, yeah, banking, whatever. Would you say for them also to expand out and look into, into financial technology and the technology industries and, and entrepreneurship as well as you've done? 100%. I would say that don't think of anything in terms of a job anymore. Just think about how you generate what you want to generate. So if you want to generate, you know, social action, then you don't think that you go for a nine to five job to generate that thing. You just need to figure out a way to get the results. And the same way, if you need to, you know, uh, create uh, economic value, make money in the world, then that's what your uh, goal should be not to get a nine to five job where you go there to do some work. And then, you know, I, I think that 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 is a bit of an outdated structure. Now, uh, today, it's much flatter. And, you know, you can yeah. probably uh, 
I don't know, there was an author that said something recently what I read that, you know, the book that he wrote in two weeks made him 15 times more than the book that he wrote, which took him three years. And I think that, that now, you, you know, is a very real thing. That, yeah. uh, the work that we do in the world is based on the value people give it, not uh, on the amount of hours that we put into it. So I think yeah. people need to get away from that thought that, oh, I've done my nine to five today, especially, you know, students or, you know, people coming into the workflow that they need to think that, you know, I need to yeah. do whatever it takes to get the result. Yeah. I think one way I look at it is, you know, 20 odd years ago, 30 years ago, you'd say, keep knocking on the door. Then it became in the nineties, a bit more aggressive, knock the door down. I think now it's like build your own door. If, if you know if they're not opening it for you i want to turn to go dharmic now you and i are on the committee for city hindus network and we're very proud to have you on our committee and, and promote the work you've been doing with go dharmic it's phenomenal um tell us a bit more about that and i think you've hit the one million people fed target if i'm not mistaken we will do soon we will do soon we're, we're nearly there uh, so tell us a bit more about Godarmic. Why why do that with all of this else going on in your life that you could be doing? You've got a young family as well. What was the motivating force? Why should people look at that to elevate themselves as well? You know, look at uh, uh, social causes at the same time when they've got busy lives and they're relatively young and, you know, other things they could be doing. So for me, um, look, I was standing on the balcony of my flat looking out at the buildings of Canary Wharf and... Um, I uh, went to a yoga lesson where I saw a poster of a guy called Krishna Das, and uh, he's a, he plays the harmonium to and um, uh, chants uh, Hindu uh, mantras, and it's an amazing sound. But I just saw this poster of him, and then I went onto YouTube and Googled it. And as I was standing outside, I uh, listened to uh, his Hanuman Chalisa, and uh, I didn't really know what Hanuman Chalisa was, or you know. Uh, what what it was really about, but I, I listened to it and it just blew me away. And as I was standing there listening to that chalisa, I just started crying. Uh, it did something to me where I feel that, you know, if you think in your life that certain things that change the, the direction of the car, where, where it's going, for me, that was a significant moment where I heard his chalisa and whether it was my own emotions or whether it was something in the music that made me feel that way uh, or, you know, his uh, chanting of it, uh, or, or the verses themselves, something was transformative in that moment that I felt that, you know, I, I made a, sh a shift in uh, my thinking. And uh, within the next two days, I memorized the whole Chalisa uh, and have been chanting it every day since. You know, it's a very, very beautiful and powerful thing. So, you know, at that moment, I felt that, okay, it's not, something shifted towards, you know, not me not wanting to just produce for myself or to produce for my immediate uh you know family members it, it, even dogs and cats do that right like they, they do that just for their own uh thing but you know to think in a wider way so to try to make a difference in a wider way and and i think you know when i met krishna das later you know and i said to him look this is what happened to me when i first had your chalisa we were sitting in rishikesh in the mountains just uh, outside an ashram and he said to me that look that's got nothing to do me to do with me that happened because it was supposed to happen. And, you know, Neem Karoli Baba, who, you know, I consider my guru, he, he feels that that's an energetic connection that you have to the tradition or to, you know, the lineage that then opens up for you to serve. And, you know, so then I started to learn a, a lot more about this 
uh, Neem Karoli Baba and ashrams in India and spiritual philosophy. And I went and studied some courses at uh, the OCHS that we're both uh, very fond the of. The Center for Hindu Studies, yeah. The Oxford Center for Hindu Studies. And uh, I met uh, Shonaka and Dr. Nicholas Sutton, who's become a very, very close friend of mine, you know, over the years. And we've actually written a couple of books together since then over the last 10 years as well. So, you know, um, you've got to mention the names of the you, you're fully allowed to plug the books. Well, we don't I've got it any- on Amazon here in case you don't do it. I know about the power of Dharma. <laughs> OK, yeah. So uh, we basically the, the common idea that I found from either Krishna Das and Neem Karoli Baba, as well as studying through the academic group with Nick and yeah. um, OCHS, I came to the same result. You know, the understanding is that, you know, through our path and our way, through the, the traditions that we we have inherited so fortunately, uh, there is a prayer for love for all beings. There is a love all feed all. That philosophy of, you know, open-heartedness, care for all, think of others, you know, help the poor, help the suffering. Yeah. That is the core of our Sanatana Dharma, as I understand it, you know. Uh, and, and in the Mahabharata, you have those kind of verses from people who say ahimsa, satyam, akrodo, dhanam, charity, kindness. And that became the foundational understanding. So when I say go dharmic, I'm actually saying, you know, find the root of not just Hinduism, but the root of all traditions, which is love and compassion for yeah. uh, all around us. And, and as you prove, it's not incompatible with business life. I mean, you only have to look at Bill Gates to know you can be, what, the second richest man in the world and do good for society. Um, tell me what you've been doing during the COVID crisis. I think that's very important as well to share that. So, so on, uh, around the middle of March, when things started to get a bit uh, difficult here in the UK, we started a phone line uh, and just took in calls from people to find out what the need was. So we put some posters up and said, if you needed some help, uh, call this number. We put WhatsApp uh, post flyers around and put the word out to say, look, we want to help, but we need to figure out exactly what the best thing to do is and not to you know, waste resources and really understand the, the situation as we were in uncharted territory. And what we got a lot of feedback was that is that elderly people, uh, specifically from black and ethnic minority communities, uh, were isolated and perhaps not as plugged into the benefits that, you know, government or councils would be providing. Uh, they might not be calling up Age UK for support. Uh, they may not be catering so much. So, you know, we started providing meals to anybody who called up and wanted uh, a free meal. And we delivered those meals on a daily basis to their homes. So hundreds of elderly people uh, uh, have received those meals and are still receiving those meals on a daily basis. So it's almost like became a, a tiffin service uh, around the UK. Uh, then, you know, uh, it was really about reacting to the need, the daily changes that were happening, and then uh, helping to solve those where they came up. Because uh, we, we had uh, hospices uh, who called us and said, look, we've had to take in five COVID patients last week, and we don't have any PPE. So we felt that that, you know, at the time, everybody's just serving the best they can. We need to get them some PPE. So, you know, although we were focused on meals, we said, look, let's make a purchase, get this PPE in and send it to the hospice. Then we had councils calling us and saying, look, uh, the government's told us two days ago that, you know, we have to take uh, all the homeless people off the streets. Uh, for the first time in, you know, probably the UK's history, we've taken the homeless people off the streets. So vans went round. Anybody who was rough sleeping was picked up and taken into uh, accommodation. But councils didn't have the budget to feed them. 
So they didn't have the money to feed them, so we relied on private, private donations and delivered meals to all of the centers on a daily basis that the councils were housing all the homeless people. So it was an incredible server like the volunteers were doing to pick up, uh, well, firstly, it starts with the restaurants, people like Desi Delight, Two Peas, Namaste Watford, uh, um, you know, uh, there's so many of them. There's uh, uh, Mar Catering in Luton. There's, um, they were giving things at cost so that you could supply and feed the elderly, the homeless, and so on. I'm going to plug a few more if you don't mind first. I just say, uh, no, go for it. Quite right, too. Jay's, Memsab, all of these restaurants, Dips Catering, um, uh, Two Peas, they, they all produce meals for free for us. Uh, oh, wow. or, uh, they, uh, so some of them we had to pay a little bit of money to support their, you know, costs and structure. Because we've course. got to remember that some of these businesses have, you know, lost their entire uh, business overnight. You know, all their catering business is gone, all their clients have disappeared, all their parties, functions, eating restaurants, all closed. So some of the restaurants we paid a little bit of money to, uh, which they did it in a pro bono way to produce meals, catering companies. But some of them, so beautiful, like if I say Two Peas and Desi Delight in uh, Queensbury, they produced meals for free for us for three months, and wow. they did not even take a penny from us. You know, not uh, wow. any even, like we gave them a little bit of supplies, but even the supplies they were reluctantly taking, you know, like uh, food. So some people, there are some real, real angels out there that have done yeah. things because they really felt. Like, for me, it's no different than the... Amritsar Gurdwara, you know, uh, like I consider what we're doing a longer server, you know, this is yeah. uh, Prasad what we're distributing. So yeah. um, <clears throat> for, the, for them to do it in that kind of spirit, is just incredible. And we've wit been witness to that and it's real, yeah. uh, real love. And, you know, so, so by Friday, uh, this Friday, we'll cross a million meals globally. Yeah. Which is really, you know, touching. And, wow. Wow. Yeah. We should let people know this is being filmed on the 15th of June 2020 uh, 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 and I'm going to make sure I get all those links from you for those so wherever we post this we'll make sure we we mention all the organizations um, that you've mentioned as well it reminds me you've, we've mentioned Hindus and we've mentioned Sikhism reminds me of the story of the widow's mite um, from Christianity which is it's those with the least who actually end up giving the most and we see that again and again in society uh, uh, that it's those who've got the least to give as a proportion of what they have, they end up giving the most. And I think the restaurants you've mentioned when, you know, if you've lost your entire livelihood uh, to still go on and say, no, actually we've got a kitchen here and we will, we'll do something for the various people. So quite right to mention those. What are your, in closing, what are your plans for the future, both professionally in terms of helping others and obviously through go dharmic in terms of helping others and elevating them well in, in terms of go dharmic what we're trying to do is build a community uh of people who care that's the very simple you know message is that look if we all have time you know i i feel that if there's some something you want to do time is never the uh the lack you know we can always find time whether it's you know before work or after work or you know something so what we're trying to do is uh, you, you know, we're, we're currently at about 3,000 people who uh, are part of this community of uh, Go Dharmic that come together uh, with no other intention than to help others, to serve people, to be compassionate, spread kindness and love. So, you, you know, the plan for that is to just keep expanding it. 
keep feeding people, keep serving, and, and wherever we can, in whichever route, it doesn't have to be through a, one particular means of feeding people. Education is actually our biggest campaign, where we develop libraries across India. But, uh, India, Africa, and Nepal are the three locations that we've done it. And uh, we're at 80 schools that have been developed. Um, so, you know, it's just about, I, I think the world, as the Buddha said, you know, the world is full of suffering, uh, but what is our job? our duty is to alleviate that suffering so you, you know as long as we are working in that direction you know I, I feel that you know we're doing our bit and you know uh, the world will kind of find ways for that river to grow and to kind of uh, reach the ocean you know so uh, there is no one thing it's just about continuing service you know and doing as much as we feel we have the capacity to uh, and you know there's no dogma around it or there's no uh, thing you know if somebody has half an hour a week it's welcome if somebody can help feed, like somebody uh, has been feeding uh, in rugby 13 meals a week and said like compared to the, uh, the initiative that we've all done, that is such a small number. They said it was such a small number. But for me, you know, even just feeding one or two people is still a, a powerful and significant uh, karmic uh, act that, yeah. you know, ingrains a, a sense of love and compassion on our hearts and minds and, you know, in, expands that. Uh, from a personal economic uh, perspective, I, I don't know, Alpesh, you'll probably have to guide me a bit better and tell me which stocks to buy uh, and then we can you know, improve it or something. I, I look, that, that is not the focus for me, to be honest. This is the focus and, you know, whatever half an hour or hour I can squeeze into my day to figure out where we take things in that way, uh, then, you know, we have to do that. So, so that, that's the, the, the truth of the matter is, is that, you know, uh, 12 or 14 hours a day we'll be working on this and then you know in a couple of hours we'll figure out what to do personally to try and uh, to, to, to grow that side. Well we're really proud to have you on City Hindus Network and, and all the work you're doing and people should go to Go Dharmic uh, and I'll make sure wherever we post this video we've got the various URLs you've mentioned as well on there. I love the fact that your daughter walked past it reminds me of that BBC interview uh, 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 it's great with kids they just sort of uh, I love it. I'm going to let you return to uh, looking after the kids. Uh, uh, but I just want to say again, from all of us, thank you very much for all of thank you, uh, uh, taking the time. I just want to say as well to you, there she is as well. And you say hi. She won't say hi. She's very shy. <laughs> Hello. Uh, but uh, I want to say thank you to you, Alpesh, as well, for personally donating so much towards GD. Uh, and, you know, also that energy that you bring to all of your work. It's, I think we're 100% aligned in our outlook in terms of wanting to help people that I know the work that you've done, you know, with the widows in India as well. And, you know, the other projects that you've all been involved in, um, th that is exactly what we want to expand and grow. So, you know, however we do that, whether it's GD or it could be any platform, to be honest, it all, it's all love. And that's what I want to see expanding in the world. You're very kind. 